Hi everyone and welcome to the ADEA podcast series presenting a number of topics identified by you, members of the Australian Diabetes Educators Association. The ADEA podcast series highlights latest updates and research in the areas that are relevant to best practice in diabetes management, diabetes care and diabetes education. My name is Jan Orford, a long-time ADEA member, and I will be your host. Today we'll be discussing CGMS with Wendy Bryant. Wendy's a credentialed diabetes educator with extensive experience in the provision of diabetes education and the management of people with diabetes using insulin pumps and CGMS. And over the next 20 minutes or so, I'll be posing a series of questions for, for Wendy to answer for us. So Wendy, thank you so much for your time today. I'd like to start the session by asking you the first question. Could you outline for us what is CGMS firstly and how does it differ from things like flash glucose monitors? Well, continuous glucose monitoring systems are a way to measure glucose levels in real time throughout the day and night. It's a tiny electrode and glucose sensor which is inserted under the skin, usually around the abdomen, and this measures glucose levels around interstitial fluid. Now, a glucose uh, Sensor. There are three parts to the system itself. There is usually the sensor, there's the transmitter, and the handheld device or the, the display unit that comes along with it. So the glucose sensor it connects to the transmitter usually, and this sends wireless information to display device. So that can either be the handheld monitor that the person's using, it can be an insulin pump, or it can actually be a phone. It's quite easy to use. Um, the difference between that and the flash glucose monitoring systems, which is the newer um, form of technology which is now being utilised, it's a hybrid between a glucose meter and a continuous glucose monitoring system. So. The sensor and transmitter are combined and again it's inserted under the skin and the reader, which is your blood glucose meter, is swiped over the top of the, the transmitter and it displays the last eight hours of the trend graph to the glucose meter. However, unlike the continuous glucose monitoring systems, the flash systems do not have hypoglycemia or hypoglycemia alerts. So it will only provide a trend graph if it has been swiped every eight hours. The difference between the two systems is that the continuous glucose monitoring systems require the individual to do finger pricks for calibration. And the calibration allows the sensors um, put them in line so that you can see if it's tracking in the right direction. With the flash glucose systems, you don't need to do that. So, but you know, in still in saying that, all systems still require the the individual to do a finger prick if they think they're hypoglycemic, or when glucose levels are changing rapidly 
or when the system doesn't seem to match up with either the finger prick or how they're feeling at any given time. Now, what's coming in the future is the ADA is updating their modules on the continuous glucose monitoring system so they will be available for you to to glean more information about these devices. You can also contact the different companies and they'll provide you some information as well. And as part of these podcasts, you will also see some reference articles that you can actually look up and get some more information about the differences as well. Thanks, Wendy. Would you like to comment on, on the performance and accuracy of CGMS, please? We all know that um, blood glucose meters do require to meet the ISO standard and there's approximately a variation of a 5 to 10 percent. Uh, continuous glucose monitoring, monitoring systems generally have a 10 to 20 percent margin of error. However, these sensors are now being redeveloped, they're becoming more accurate and they will, or some of them already, are coming in line with having a closer margin of that of approximately 10%. The one catch with the con continuous glucose monitoring systems is that the finger pricks have to be current and represent a glucose concentration at that exact time. Um, so you've got the CGMS, has a, has a bit of a lag time. So when you do your finger prick, you get the exact time. With the continuous blood glucose monitoring systems, there is a lag time. An example of this is like watching breaking news about an event that took place 10 minutes ago. It's useful to know, but it's not quite as useful as if you're actually there on the spot and seeing, if it, seeing, uh, seeing the whole event unfold. Now there's two reasons why this can occur. Firstly, the continuous glucose monitoring system sensors are not actually measuring blood. They're measuring the glucose concentration in the fluid surrounding the fat cells and it can take some time for the glucose to travel from the blood into the tissues. When the blood glucose concentration is rising, it can take a few minutes for the glucose to show up in the fat layer and vice versa when glucose levels are dropping. The second reason, reason that lag time occurs is the CGMS needs to process the data. It receives continuous signals from the transmitter and it reports every five minutes of blood glucose level. So the data can actually be delayed by two to eight minutes. And the lag time can average between six and 12 because of that delay of the blood glucose going through. And so when a blood glucose is rising, the CGMS may not display a value, can often display a value that might be lower than actual a finger prick is. And the wearer needs to be able to allow or to think about this when they're interpreting the data and acknowledging the, that trend arrows when making the decisions. That's the major um, performance and accuracy issues with the device, but there's some other factors that can affect the accuracy as well. You need to ensure that the sensor is actually inserted properly. The, the person needs to double check that they don't have any skin irritation and also it can rely on their calibration practices. So if they're calibrating on the rise after they're eaten, it can create an error in the overall data collection of the system. Lastly, 
one of the things which we're still finding out a bit more about is the effect of certain medication on these devices. So we know that paracetamol can have an effect um, on the continuous glucose monitoring systems and the glucose readings on the sensor can actually read slightly higher and that can depend on the dose. The other thing with glucose monitoring systems, we know that aspirin and vitamin C uh, can also affect what the glucose monitor is dis displaying. And we're only just starting to see some studies come out about that at the moment. So there's a lot more research that needs to take place. And this is probably the biggest reason why at this stage it's not actually recommended that these devices be utilised in the hospital setting, particularly if you're going to base your bolusing and or correct a blood glucose level. So they're probably the major points in regards to the accuracy and the performance of the, the systems that are available. And who would you suggest that CGMS is appropriate for when you're seeing your patient population? It's really, really broad actually. You could just these systems can be used for just about anybody depending on what you're looking for. So, you know, find it very, very useful when you are checking blood glucose regularly for those patients who are particularly committed and want intensive management and control, they find it very useful to be able to monitor their blood glucose levels continuously through the day. Those uh, who are hypoglycemic unaware or have frequent hypoglycemia, those who have a lot of variability in their blood glucose levels, uh, patients who have elevated blood glucose control and you want to improve their control without increasing their hypoglycemic events. Uh, those who are looking to change their therapy or you're planning to make some changes. Uh, individuals who are very athletic and play a lot of sport. And those people who have high-risk professions or need to ensure that they can avoid hypoglycemic events. And an example of that might be a surgeon, um, who's you know in surgery all day? It makes it a lot easier for him, for that person to check their blood glucose levels, and we can also use it in pregnancy as well to assist us in in managing their glucose levels. The other thing is, you know, it, it seems like it's mainly looking at those patients who are on insulin, but I've found it also very useful when you're dealing with other people who may not necessarily be on insulin and you might use the systems with that group of patients, particularly looking at titrating their medication doses or you want to intensify their therapy but you're not quite sure what's going on because you're not getting those in-between glucose levels or you want to use it to uncover behaviours that may influence their glycemic control, whether that's positive or negative, you know, showing, giving them some information so that you can teach a cause and effect relationship maybe between lifestyle choices and their overall glycemic control. So really CGMS is pretty good for just about anybody as long as you're, you've got the information to be able to, you know, analyze the data that you do get. And that segues quite nicely into my next question. When you're actually analyzing the data, what do you as a health professional need to consider? Uh, this is a, a, a great question but it's also a very long question and, and as part of this podcast there'll be uh, information handout that you can have a read about. But I think 
the most important thing that needs to be considered is that you need to ensure that your data is reliable and it's representative of what the wearer's true patterns actually are. So you don't want them to go off and, and be try to be perfect while they're wearing it. You want them to go away and do what they normally do. You want to double check your clock and your dates are all set correctly on the receiver or, or the pump if they're on a pump and that um, they did sufficient calibrations while they were wearing it. And one of the most important things when you're actually analysing the data that you get from this um, is you want the wearer to, to keep a logbook and a diary. So you're looking at the time content of the meals, you want to know the carbohydrates, maybe even the protein, the duration and the nature of any sort of exercise that they do, doses of insulin and other medications that they might be taking, and any any sort of events like eating out, going to restaurants, whether they've been ill, uh, unusual stresses, their menstrual cycle. That's all important data when you're looking at the download when you get that information. And you can actually derive some really important conclusions when you look at the trend graphs when you've got this information. You can find hypoglycemia patterns. Uh, you can see what happens in between their finger pricks. You can assess any postprandial uh, glucose rises. You can assess their insulin to carbohydrate ratio so you can see what effect and if, if their insulin to carb ratio is working effectively for them. You can assess any of the, um, the, their correction factor as well so you can see if what they're using is actually bringing their blood glucose levels back into line. It's a great time to use the device when you want to verify their basal insulin so you can do your fasting sections of the day without these people have, having to do multiple finger pricks. You can use it um, to look at the post-meal glucose rise. You can look at the effectiveness of their mealtime insulin. You can see if their insulin to carb ratio is correct. Also their correction factor. Verify their basal insulin doses as well. So you can get them to do their fasting sections of the day and they don't have to do multiple finger prickers because you've got the CGMS on board and you can see what's going on. Evaluate if they have had any hypoglycemic events while they've been wearing the device, you can see and evaluate the hypoglycemic treatment. And the last titrate the implications and any effects or impact on their lifestyle events or activities. And you can sometimes pick up or it can reveal some behaviours, whether it be around their snacking in the afternoon or late in the evening. And sometimes that allows you to get that information when you're looking at this data. I think my, my last question that I had on my list today is, is really probably the most important in many ways. What do you consider the benefits to the person with diabetes who's obviously the centre of all this? I think there's four really distinct benefits when it comes to con continuous glucose monitoring. And one is the use of numbers. Um, you know, numbers can provide a basis for decision making regarding food, exercise, insulin, um, particularly for those patients who do minimal testing. It's providing that information for that individual to make decisions. But I think the second and probably the most important thing in, 
in using these devices is the trending information. So all these devices provide arrows so that they can see which way their blood glucose level is trending. So this refers to whether the glucose level is stable where you've got a straight arrow or you've got your level rising with an angled arrow or falling. So the trend arrows can assist the user to make really smarter decisions. They know which direction their glucose level is heading and this can be really invaluable to them, particularly in situations where they're going to sit an exam or in the middle of the exam. Driving a car, if they're going to drive the car, their blood sugar level's five and they've got trend arrows going down, they really do need to treat even before they go any further. So it gives them a lot more confidence from that point of view. If they use heavy machinery, it gives them that information. Or just going to sleep at night, they know that they can be safe and if they get an alarm overnight, it can often wake them up. If they're going to have medical procedures uh, or even just in simple day-to-day -day things, if they're going into an important meeting, they know which way their blood glucose levels trending, so if it, if it looks like they're trending down, they may be able to treat that before they go into the meeting. So it's very, very useful from that point of view. And I think you know, the other important thing which comes along with the trend is being able to detect those approaching high or low blood glucose levels, particularly in the person that's um, hypo-unaware and with those alerts, it can preempt and they can treat so that they don't actually have hypoglycemic events as such. Another important part of these systems is the ability for them to be integrated into insulin pump therapy as well. So it's on the pump, they can see it and utilize it readily. Lastly, I think one of the really important things is the ability now with these systems that you can share the data with others. You know, for example, a person who travels a lot, they're able to set up, they're sharing their CGMS information with their partner and their partner's phone can be alerted when their blood sugar levels drop so the partner can just give them a quick ring to see how they are and to make sure they're nice and safe and that also provides a lot of security for individuals as well and this just you know gives them that extra support when they're away or on their own, they've got at least some support out there for them. Right, thanks for that Wendy. I guess we've covered quite a lot of information in the last 20 minutes or so. So I just wonder if you've got some take-home messages that you'd like our uh, listeners to um, take away with them when thinking about CGMS. Yeah, I think one of the most important things is when patients are wearing these devices, it's really important that they understand the technology before they actually start using it and understand the lag time and you know what's needed to give them the information to be able to adjust and also to make it easier for us as professions so that they've got the information, it's documented, even if they just do it for the week before they see you. And what goes that is when they start wearing it or they're thinking about wearing it, they must understand that it's not going to solve everything for them. They still have to do the work. They still need to be looking at things and adjusting for things. Another point is that the calibration must be done appropriate for accuracy as well so that the, the sensor and the blood glucose times are as close as they possibly can be. And you need to try and encourage these individuals to capitalise on the alert systems and to set up the alerts so that they do become meaningfully 
meaningful and not annoying. If you set the high target too low at 9 or 10 millimoles, then it's going to alert every time this person eats. They're going to get sick and tired of it and either stop wearing the device or they'll turn all the alert systems off, which is what you really don't want. You want them to be able to utilise particularly the low alert system if the high system, if the hypoglycemic point is a, is a bit annoying to them. They need to have a game plan. So it's useful um, to have the ability to be able to spend some time with them, with them explaining what the data actually is, what it means and what you do about it. And I think the last thing is not to be over real with it, to the real-time data. They need to consider the momentary, what else is going on while they've got that CGMS result. They need to, before reacting, still remember what are they going to do. It's the full picture. You know, are they going to do activity? What else is going around them? So I think that's important as well. They're, the, they're some of the most important things when it comes to CGMS and helping some of the individuals that we have using them. Well, thank you, Wendy, for that. There's been a lot of information there and thank you so much for, for putting that together for us. And as Wendy mentioned, um, for those of you listening, there will be some resources attached to the podcast as well. So you, if you didn't have time to take down all your notes today, uh, you will have the opportunity to go back and have a look at, at the information that Wendy's discussed with us today. So thank you so much again for spending, taking your time to come and talk to us. And also thank you to members of ABEA for listening today. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Bye.